This is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm back for another episode to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. And right now, that is college basketball. Conference Championship Week is upon us. We're in it. The madness is here. To me, this is the real start of March Madness. This is as good as the NCAA tournament. I love this week. I love the NCAA tournament. I love all of it, and I can't wait to get into it with you all. As always, you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Google, pretty much wherever you find your podcasts, you can find this show. And if you like the show, we'd love if you subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Really helps the show out a lot. It also helps the show out a lot if you tell a friend. Tell a friend about what we're doing here on Tailgate Till May. You can also find me on Twitter, at Sports. That's where I leave all my gambling picks. You're going to be getting a lot of them, a lot of gambling thoughts coming out over the next week and the next month. So stay locked to at Gorg on Sports on Twitter if you want to stay up to date with the games that I'm picking. I have a great show planned for you today. We are going to be diving deep into the Power 6 Conference tournaments. I'm going to sequence it by the conferences I'm most interested in, the conferences I plan to watch the most of, and then kind of sequence it down to the conferences that I'm going to watch less of. You know, you can't can't watch everything as much as you would like to, as much as I would like to. So I'm going to start with what I'm most interested in. And not to say I'm not interested in all of this, but there's conferences I'm more interested in than others. So I'm going to start there and then kind of continue on to the tournaments that are less interesting. I'll probably watch a little bit less. So let's start with the conference that I am most interested in going into tournament week, and I don't think it will be a surprise to any of you given the shows I've done over the last week and what I've talked about, but that is the Big Ten Tournament. That's where I'm going to start today, the Big Ten Tournament kicking off in Chicago on Wednesday, March 8th. The games will be played at the United Center, and first let me just say I think Chicago is a fantastic venue for the Big Ten Tournament. I think one of the most important things with any conference tournament is it needs to be somewhat centrally located and easy to travel for your schools because you want to have a good environment there. You want fans to be able to get there. You don't want it to feel dead, especially now as these tournaments stretch into four or five days. Sometimes Big Ten tournament is a five day event. You know, when conferences were smaller, it used to just truly be a weekend event, maybe a Friday, Saturday, Sunday or a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now, these things stretch out over a long period of time. And Chicago, great city for this. A ton of Big Ten alum in the city, not far distance-wise from so many of the schools. So I love Chicago as the site for this. I think Indianapolis is also a great site and nice little rotation they have there in the Big Ten. I know Minneapolis will be getting into the mix as well. Uh, But for this year, it is in Chicago, and I I think it's a fantastic place for it. So for each of these tournaments, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through the tournament, I'm going to talk about some of the impact games. I'm going to talk about the games that I'm most looking forward to or the matchups that I'd most like to see potentially in some of these tournaments. And then I'm going to give you a bet, maybe a couple bets in in some instance. So with the Big Ten, let's get started with Wednesday. Tournament kicks off Wednesday. And some of the big matchups, there's a lot. The reason I'm picking this Big Ten tournament as the conference I would most like to watch, the the tournament I would most like to attend, is not simply because I'm a Maryland grad, a Maryland fan, fan, and, uh, you know, I want to see my Terps. No, it's because 
there are so many games in this tournament that are going to have impact. There's games that are going to have impact on the bubble. Who gets in the tournament? Who gets left out? There's other games that will have impact on seeding. And then there's games that will have impact on the very top of the bracket, the very top of the seeding discussion with Purdue, very much on that 1-2 line right now. Will they get a number one seed? Will they get a number two seed? So a lot at stake here as we head into the NCAA tournament, uh, kind of at all parts of the bracket. But early on, it's going to be the bubble matchups that kind of take center stage here. So on Wednesday, Wisconsin plays Ohio State to kick off the whole tournament in a 12-13 game. Wisconsin clinging to its bubble hopes. Uh, The Badgers, the number 12 seed in the tournament, you know, depending where you look right now, they might be in, they might be out on bracketmatrix.com. Wisconsin is listed in 56 of the 107 brackets, so it is iffy. They are not in ESPNs, they are not in CBSs. Wisconsin absolutely needs to win this Wisconsin game and very likely, or I'm sorry, the Ohio state game and very likely a few more, maybe at least one more. And this Ohio state game is not going to be easy the way that the Buckeyes have been playing recently. Buckeyes went through that long losing streak. I think it was a nine game losing streak here. Yeah. Nine game losing streak between January 24th and February 23rd. It felt like they were never going to win a game again. And then lo and behold, they beat Maryland and Illinois in back-to-back games. First the Illini, then the Terps both home games. So the Buckeyes have been playing good basketball down the stretch here. You know, they never, they never quit. It would have been easy for that team to, to really quit packing in for the season. And they never seemed to do that despite some Rather lopsided losses, rebounding, and you know a team that could get frisky here in the Big Ten tournament and maybe knock Wisconsin out of NCAA tournament contention. I don't know how Wisconsin makes the tournament if they lose that game. I know Ohio State's, I know Ohio State's uh, computer rankings have been good for most of the year. They're sixty three right now, so that would be a quad two loss, but. Any loss for Wisconsin at this point is just something you can't afford to take. So it's really a must-win game for Wisconsin there. Uh, Previously, Wisconsin took down the Buckeyes in their one meeting of the year that was in Columbus. Wisconsin won a 65-60 game, a very Wisconsin game. It's where it seems like most of Wisconsin's games are five points or less and played in the 60s. So uh, and I think that's more of what you'll see when these two square off to open the tournament. So right from the jump, we have games here that have a, a broader impact when it comes to the NCAA tournament. On Thursday, the full slate in the 8-9 game to kick off the day, Michigan and Rutgers. It's essentially a loser-goes-home match. Again, two teams very much on the bubble. It kind of seems right now like Rutgers is likely on the right side of the bubble. In bra- According to Bracket Matrix, they are listed in 89 of the 107 brackets as, a, as an 11 seed. Michigan, on the other hand, has missed some big opportunities recently. Uh, listed in just three of the brackets on Bracket Matrix, but one of them is the CBS bracket. Uh, I believe that's Jerry Palm's bracket. So they are listed in that one. 
Michigan, we've talked a lot about over the last week. Uh, and yes, that is Jerry Palms. And Michigan is in the first four out in that. Uh, and I frankly don't know how because we've talked a lot about them. And, you know, their missed opportunities over the last week. To me, again, much like Wisconsin, if Michigan loses this game, they are out. They would deserve to be out. I, I don't see much of an argument for the Wolverines if they were to lose this game. Rutgers, you know, Rutgers is a team that's had a really nice season, a really good run. There was times throughout this year where there was chatter about, is Rutgers the second best team in this conference? And they have hit a wall down the stretch this season. Now sitting at 18 and 13, they've won two, just two games since beating Michigan State on February 4th. They've won just two games since that point going two and six over their last eight to end the season, uh, most recently with a loss to Northwestern to end the year, and before that, a loss to Minnesota. So uh, some tough results for Rutgers to end the year. So this is another must-win game. It's a, it's a, I think it's a play-in game, more or less. Now, a play-in game in the sense that I think if Rutgers wins it, they should feel pretty safe in the tournament. But I think Michigan has got to win this one, and then they'll get a big opportunity against Purdue if they can they can take it down. In the second game of the day on Thursday, it'll be Wisconsin and Iowa. And uh, Wisconsin, a huge chance for them there against against the Hawkeyes. You know, uh, Iowa's safely in the tournament, probably seven to eight seed range right now. So some big opportunities on Thursday morning, uh, Thursday afternoon in the Big Ten. And then on the other side of the bracket, I think this is a really interesting side of the bracket. Yet another game with bubble implication. The third game of the day is the number 10 seed Penn State against the number 7 seed Illinois. Penn State came up with that monster win against Maryland to end the regular season, kind of keeping their tournament hopes alive. Uh, they have Jalen Pickett, who was named first team All Big Ten earlier today as the, as the leader of that team and a guy that, you know, you hear a lot of chatter about. He's the kind of guy that could go on a run in the tournament. He could take this conference by surprise and Penn State could maybe go on a run. I don't trust Penn State's defense enough to make that projection. But on the other side of things, you know, I don't trust Illinois a whole lot either. I, I don't disagree. You'll hear people say Illinois is the most talented team in the conference. And that very well may be true. I don't know, you know, the combination of Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer, they are two of the most talented players in this conference, two of the more talented players in the country. And Terrence Shannon was named to the Big Ten first team today. And uh, I won't go into the Terrence Shannon Jameer Young comparison because Jameer Young was left off the first team in favor of Shannon, I believe. Jameer Young earned the right to be first team all Big Ten. I will save that for another time. But they are a very talented team, but they're not a consistent team. And all you have to do is look at the last week of the season here, the last month where, you know, they look like they, they've had several points in the season where they look like they're kind of prepared to emerge as the number one contender in the conference and then they'll go and and drop a game and losing to Purdue on the road is nothing to sneeze at but it's more the game a week before that where they lose to Ohio State by 12 on the road that's disappointing 
or about a month ago when they gave up 93 to Penn State. So I don't necessarily trust either one of these teams. And I, I think this part of the bracket is is something I might fall apart that might fall apart because I don't necessarily trust Northwestern either. Northwestern is a team that did secure the two seed, but if you ask me about a Illinois Northwestern matchup, I would be inclined to take Illinois in that one. I think Northwestern is a very good team, but they struggle offensively. They've been one of the more fortunate teams in the country this year. And uh, I just think, I think there is a good chance and a good reason. There's a good chance that the winner of this Penn state, Illinois game can beat Northwestern. And that's a reason why you look at the, the betting odds. And although Northwestern is the two seed in the big 10 tournament, they are seventh in terms of the odds or six tied for sixth in terms of the odds behind Purdue, Indiana, Michigan state, Maryland, and Illinois. According to FanDuel, Illinois actually has better odds to win the big 10 tournament just slightly than Northwestern does. But if we're talking about games that I would love to see, I would really look forward to that would be if Illinois can get past Penn state, the winner plays Northwestern, Illinois versus Northwestern on a Friday evening in Chicago would be what conference tournaments are all about. You know, in-state rivals playing in Chicago, I think that would be a great atmosphere at the United Center, and I would really be looking forward to that one. And then to kind of finish off the back half of this bracket here, the bottom half of this bracket, Maryland plays the winner of Minnesota-Nebraska on Thursday night in the late game. Maryland needs to just win that game. Um, there's no excuse whoever comes out of it. Maryland needs to win that game. If they don't, Maryland could be looking at a nine or 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. And that's something I think they desperately want to avoid. If Maryland can get by them, but get by that game, they will play Indiana, the three seed. And look, Indiana was the preseason favorite going into the year. I think they underachieved this year, finishing 12 and eight. In the conference, Indiana was in this pack with so many other teams. With Northwestern, Michigan State, Maryland, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, I see very, very little difference between all of those teams. And I think it's silly to act like Indiana is a cut above the rest because they have Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis, an outstanding player to me, and no doubt about it, first-team All-American. He was on the first-team All-Big Ten team today, and uh, he's an unbelievable player. He's done unbelievable things here. but. Indiana, much like Illinois, who I just talked about, they look like they're about to emerge as the top contender. They beat Purdue two times. And then after beating Purdue the second time, they give up 90 points to Iowa at home. And I watched this Indiana team play Maryland in person. And I do not trust Indiana's perimeter defense against a guard like Jameer Young or like a guard like Boo Booey if those two teams were to meet in the semifinals. Maryland absolutely hunted out Trey Galloway, got that matchup with Jameer Young on Trey Galloway, and exploited it. And as good as Trace Jackson Davis is, as good as Jalen Hood Shafino can be at times, I don't trust the rest of their supporting cast, especially defensively. I think defense defense is their weakness, and that's why I really think this the bottom part of this bracket is going to fall apart. I would not be surprised at all if it ends up being a Maryland-Illinois or a Maryland-Penn State semifinal 
on Saturday. So that's kind of my breakdown of the bracket here. As far as who I'm betting, I don't love doing this. I don't love betting the favorite. I don't anticipate betting too many favorites throughout the conference tournament, but I like this Purdue team at plus 195, almost uh, plus 200, two to one odds to win this conference tournament. Those are at those odds. It's a 34% implied probability of them winning. So about a one in three chance of them winning the tournament. And you know what? I think that's about right. I think Penn, I think Purdue this year has clearly established themselves as a team above the fray in the big 10. And They've had close calls. They've had some losses. But all in all, they've shown the ability to consistently perform unlike most of the other teams in this conference. While everybody else has been up and down and lost unexpected ones, yeah, Purdue's lost a couple, but they ended up winning this league by three games. And I think that's being, I think the parody of the Big Ten, I think it's a mistake to include Purdue in the parody of the Big Ten and talking about that big bundle of teams because I don't think Purdue is in that group. I think Purdue has shown to be significantly better than that group. I think Zach Eady is a, is a dominant force. I think their guards, their young guards, have been good, uh, if not susceptible to some pressure and turnovers, and, that, and that's certainly a part of, of beating them. I still like their supporting cast enough, though, you know, when they have Zach Eady in the middle, to think that this team is head and shoulders above the rest of the league. And, you know, I think one of the good things about Purdue's draw here is the teams they lost to this year in the Big Ten were uh, Rutgers, Indiana twice, Northwestern, and Maryland. Well, three of those teams, Northwestern, Indiana, and Maryland, are all on the opposite side of the bracket, so they can avoid them. Uh, they do have Rutgers, potentially, in the in their first game in the quarterfinal round, but Rutgers, this is a Rutgers team playing very differently than they were when they beat Purdue earlier in the year. So I, I like Purdue's draw there. I like the team. I like that they're avoiding some of these teams. Michigan State is a team that I looked at when I said, okay, who can I bet to win this league? Michigan State sitting at plus 650, plus 700, depending on where you were. look. I think, I think I saw a plus 700 out there for Michigan State. But either way, somewhere between plus 650, plus 700, um, you know, it's a good reminder to shop around when you're, when you're betting on these things because all these books vary slightly. Yeah, plus 700 on BetMGM is the best you can get that I see if you like Michigan State. And I, I thought about them. I, I really did because they have been playing well. And one of the things I really value is how a team's been playing a la the last month because I think in some of these computer metrics, you know, it takes the whole season into account. And teams can change drastically from November to now in March. And since February 5th, the last month, essentially, Michigan State is number 12 in the country in T-Rank, BartTorvik.com. The reason that I am not going to get behind them is over that time, they've done it with offense. They're still 75th nationally in adjusted defense. And I think that's something that people forget about Purdue is that they're a really good defensive team. Zach Eadie's a really solid defensive player, and he can erase a lot of mistakes on the perimeter. So I don't trust Michigan State's defense enough. I do think with 
uh, Walker and, and Hogard. Michigan State has better guards than Purdue does, and that could present a challenge. But when you think of Michigan State, you often think of a great offensive rebounding team. That's not the case with this Michigan State team. In fact, the last time that these two teams played, when Purdue and Michigan State played, Purdue dominated the offensive glass. Uh, Michigan State grabbed just two offensive boards to Purdue's 12. It's a big discrepancy there. And that's the reason that I like Purdue to get past Michigan State if those two teams play. I anticipate that they will. I think the top half of the bracket stays a little bit more intact than the bottom half does. And I think it's ultimately Purdue taking it down. And I'll go ahead and bet Purdue at that plus 195 price. I don't love betting the favorite. I would, I'm not going to bet Purdue every game here, because I think there will be close games. I think they will be favored by a little bit too much. But to win the tournament, to survive, I, I think it is Purdue. And I'm going to go ahead and pick the Boilermakers to get it done. I just don't have enough confidence in anybody else in this league. So went a little long on the Big Ten, but that's okay because that's the conference I am most excited about watching. I think it's going to be a great tournament and uh, excited to excited to see it. One more point I wanted to add on Purdue is that, you know, I think there's times there's certain coaches, Roy Williams famously did not care about the ACC tournament, thought it was a waste of time. And uh, so the it's, it's interesting sometimes to try to glean little bits of information about how much a coach cares about the conference tournament. And for Matt Painter, he's won just one Big Ten tournament. That was in 2009. Uh, but Purdue and Matt Painter have been to three of the last six Big Ten tournaments played. They've lost each one of those championship game appearances. And, uh, and, and then in the three that they didn't go to the championship, they lost in the first round. So I think it does seem like when Purdue has a good team, they will give it a shot to go for the Big Ten Championship. And I think it, it's something to think about that they haven't got it done yet, and that may provide a little bit motivation for Painter for this group. He's clearly not a coach that just punts on the Big Ten Tournament, given that he's been to three championship games in the last six tournaments played. So Purdue is my pick for the Big Ten Tournament Championship, and I think if Purdue does go ahead and win, they will wrap up a number one seed. Another team fighting for a number one seed is the Kansas Jayhawks, and they're fighting for more than the number one seed, maybe. They're fighting for that number one overall seed, possibly, and my next tournament that I am interested in is the Big 12, the clear-cut best conference in the country this college basketball season. Now, I think the difference between the Big 12 and the Big 10 when it comes to interest and excitement level, I'm very excited for this Big 12 tournament. But while it's clearly at the top end, there are clearly better teams in the Big 12 than the Big 10. I think it's a step up in terms of level of play. I think it's a step up in terms of teams that can compete for a national championship. I don't think there's quite as much intrigue in terms of impact come NCAA tournament time. Most of the teams in this league are either very are very clearly in the tournament and very clearly stable in their seeding position. This league is also so good that a loss isn't going to do a whole lot to hurt you. I think the two most intriguing things are whether Kansas with a Big 12 tournament championship could secure that number one overall seed. And, man, I, you know, I've been going back and forth on this in terms of whether Houston 
or Kansas should be the number one overall seed. I think I can make very compelling cases for both. I thought if Kansas won out and beat Texas and then won the Big 12 tournament, it would be a no-brainer. That would have put them likely at 19-6 and in quad one games. I'm a firm believer that how you perform against the best of the best is the number one factor that should be used when it comes to seeding at the top of the bracket because you are going to be playing the best of the best. And I think Kansas clearly would have performed better than anybody in the country in more games against the best of the best. You know, at the same time, Houston is 29 and 2. They have done next to nothing wrong. They are number 1 in the net. They are number 1 in Ken Palm, and I would have a very hard time docking them if they go out and they win the AAC tournament, especially if they do it in convincing fashion. And the last time they've lost a game will have been January 22nd against Temple with their only other loss of the year coming against Alabama, uh, another number one seed back in December. I would have a very hard time docking Houston for that. At the same time, who would Houston's best win be? It would have to be Memphis on the road, which they won in a buzzer beater to end the season. I mean, I don't see anybody else on that list. It's not Oregon. That's a bubble team. Oh, you know what? Sorry. It's St. Mary's. They beat St. Mary's on a neutral site, and that would be their best win. But St. Mary's is still a team that's looking like something like, I don't know, a four seed, maybe something along those lines. They have a big a big conference championship game tonight against Gonzaga. So, yeah, that's a four seed, five seed right there for St. Mary's, maybe even a six seed uh, per bracket matrix. They're at a solid five seed right now, but there's some six seeds when you look at that full matrix. So that's their best win. I see the argument both ways, but I think to really make it a discussion, Kansas needs to go out and win the Big 12 tournament. I don't know if it it will get the job done, but it will help them make that much more compelling of a case to be the regular season and tournament champions of the best league in the country. So that's one of the compelling things, but really the only other compelling thing when it comes to the NCAA tournament is can West Virginia secure a bid? And I think West Virginia might be in no matter what they do against Texas Tech. Now, I wouldn't suggest losing to that, losing to the Red Raiders, especially given everything that's going on off the court with Mark Adams, head coach Mark Adams being suspended, and I covered that on the last show. I wouldn't suggest losing to a team uh, going through such a tumultuous circumstance. I don't think that reflects great for your NCAA tournament chances. I don't think that's uh, something that the committee would, would love to see. But again, looking at Bracket Matrix, I mean, they are, uh, I believe, a nine seed right now, a nine seed per bracket matrix in all 107 brackets at this moment. Uh, They're just a seed line behind teams like Arkansas, Illinois, Maryland, Iowa that feel, you know, very secure in their place in the tournament. And West Virginia has great computer numbers, number 24 in the net. Uh, they've played a ton of quad one games, as has everybody in the Big 12, 6 and 12 in those quad one games. So that's really the only game where I'm like, this is a major bubble chance. Uh, Oklahoma State against Oklahoma, I don't think that's enough. That's the other first round game on Wednesday. That's the 7 10 game. West Virginia, Texas Tech is the 8 9 game. And I don't think even a win there is enough to push the Cowboys 
into the tournament. Uh, that that might be the other intriguing games, Oklahoma State, Texas, if they can get by in-state rival Oklahoma in the quarterfinals on Thursday. So that's kind of why I put this just a grade below the Big Ten in terms of interest. Everybody else is really fighting for maybe a minimal change in seed line. And then, of course, uh, it's still a great accomplishment to win a Big 12 tournament championship. Maybe Texas can sneak onto the one line, but I'm still kind of skeptical of that. I think the those four top seeds are fairly secure in their place. And I think UCLA is ahead of Texas in that pecking order. I think Baylor lost their chance for a one seed with that loss to Iowa State over the weekend. So that's kind of why I have this a little bit below the Big Ten, but still going to be some really high-quality basketball. Great basketball kicking off on Wednesday with those two first-round matchups. This tournament's in Kansas City, and then the quarterfinal games on Thursday all day kicking off with Baylor-Iowa State, a rematch from last weekend where I bet on Baylor in the first half. I bet on Baylor for the game. I lost both those bets because Baylor got their butts kicked by an Iowa State team that had been flailing. And I am going to go back to the well. This is going to be something I definitely bet on Thursday. It looks like it's going to be about Baylor minus one, according to Ken Palm. I don't know what happened in that last game. I don't know how Baylor, one of the most prolific offenses in the country, was held to 58 points, never really in the game at home on senior day. But I do know that I love Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, and Keontae George, that three-headed monster at, at guard. The, the three, I mean, I don't know if there's a better trio of guards in the country than those three, at least when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. And I trust them, and I trust Scott Drew to rebound and get that win in the first round. So that will be one bet I'm definitely making in this tournament. As far as games that I'm looking forward to watching, you know, or matchups that I hope happen, it's got to be Baylor-Kansas in the semifinal. Baylor-Iowa State, they're in that 4-5 matchup. Kansas, the one seed, will play the winner of West Virginia-Texas Tech. And uh, those winners will then play in the semifinal on Friday, March 10th at, um, in the evening. And for my money, I don't know that there's a better rivalry in the sport of college basketball right now than Baylor versus Kansas. It's not doesn't have the history of Duke, North Carolina. Uh, it's not an in-state rivalry like Indiana, Purdue. But right now, when you look at the programs that have been most successful over the last five years in college basketball, I mean, what better than Kansas and Baylor? It reminds me a lot, and it, I don't think it has quite the same hatred the same vitriol, but it reminds me a lot of Maryland Duke in the early 2000s where it was two teams in the same conference that were just really at the top of their respective games, and Duke won a national title in 2001. Maryland won a national title in 2002, much like Baylor and Kansas, where Baylor won the 2021 NCAA tournament, won a national championship, and then Kansas comes back the next year, last year, and wins a national championship of its own. So you could have 
the last two national champions going up against each other in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament semifinals. If you if you think there is a better rivalry right now, I'd love to know what it is. Again, I understand it doesn't quite have the the vitriol of Duke, North Carolina. It's not an in-state rivalry. I don't know that these programs, these fan bases necessarily hate each other, but it is top-end basketball. The last two national champions, their games always have meaning. If you go back and just look at the the Big 12 standings, yeah, we know Kansas has been is always winning the Big 12. It's just a ridiculous run of, of winning the Big 12, but in 2021, it was Baylor that won the league outright. In 2021, it was Baylor that won a national championship. And for my money, that is the best rivalry in the sport right now. So that would be the matchup that I most want to see in this tournament. On the bottom half of the bracket, a couple teams that I was really looking at as I'm looking at odds for who can win this conference tournament, who can win the Big 12 championship. And a couple teams I was interested in, looking at this bottom half of the bracket, is the number three seed Kansas State and the number six seed TCU. These are both teams that have had very nice years. Kansas State, I think one of the best stories in the country with first-year head coach Jerome Tang coming in, Keontae Johnson transferring, getting back on the court as a Kansas State Wildcat and looking unbelievable in doing so. And right now they look like they're going to be probably a three or four seed, maybe a two seed if they can make a big run in this tournament, in the NCAA tournament, Uh, a really successful season, TCU been plagued by injuries a bit this year, but uh, still a fantastic year with they're looking to be a six seed or so at the moment, a six seed right now, the top six seed per bracketmatrix.com. These two teams play in the first round, and I would be looking at whichever team wins that game to potentially make a little bit of a run. If you look at the odds, TCU uh, on FanDuel plus 550, Kansas State plus 900, Kansas State plus 900, despite being the three seed and TCU being the six seed, Kansas State is a team I might want to give a little bit of a look at nine to one to win this conference championship. They've been playing pretty well down the stretch here. Uh, They're four and one in their last five. They beat Baylor. They've uh, that's their best win kind of of that stretch in their games against TCU this year. They split the two games against TCU, kind of each winning their their home game um, and kind of by weirdly similar scores. Kansas State winning 82-61 at home, TCU winning 82-68 in Fort Worth. So this is a team, these are two teams that that I'm interested in, that I'd be interested in betting at a little bit longer price I think I like Kansas State. I like their guards. I like Marquise Noel. I I love Keontae Johnson. Um, I I think that's something that's huge for them. I think they're a good defensive team. And with TCU, I like what they bring to the table. They're definitely a different team with Mike Miles. And now that he's back in the lineup, back from injury, he's been back for – he's played five games now since missing five games earlier in the year with an injury. Uh, But, you know, I have a question with them – about how much are they necessarily committed to going 
all out in this tournament, given the injury to Miles, given that Eddie Lampkin, their big guy, has been off and on injured throughout the season. Like, how much are they concerned with really going out and winning this tournament versus just getting healthy and being ready to go for the NCAA tournament? So, if I am picking one team, and I guess this shouldn't come as a surprise, given that Kansas State was the team that I picked at one point, I had a future on to win the Big 12 regular season, and they failed to do so. Uh, But I guess it wouldn't come as a surprise that I would pick Kansas State at 9-1 to to win the Big 12 tournament. That would be the bet that, that I would make. The bet I'm definitely making on Thursday is Baylor minus one against Iowa State in the first round. And then, you know, if you like Kansas State to go out and win the Big 12 tournament, I think it definitely makes sense. They'll probably be a one-point favorite or so against TCU in that first-round game to go ahead and bet Kansas State in that first round game minus one. In general, I think I'm going to try with the Big Ten and the Big 12 tournaments both. So on an individual game-by-game basis, I want to go ahead and and bet underdogs because I think for the most part, these teams are so close that if you can get points, there's a lot of value there. Um, But it, it looks like in the Big 12, I will be betting two teams about minus one in that first round you know minus one plus one not a huge difference there so that's not enough to like push me to take the dog Uh, so give me Baylor in that first round minus one against Iowa State give me Kansas State minus one against TCU and then give me Kansas State at nine to one to win the Big 12 tournament Okay, let's move on here to the SEC. That is my conference number three in terms of intrigue. And boy, oh boy, the SEC is a lot like the Big Ten to me, where there there are a lot of teams that I just can't make heads from tails of. It's similar in the fact that there's going to be a bunch of teams in the NCAA tournament in the, let's call it, six to nine seed range that are very, very similar. And right now, uh, Bracket Matrix projects Kentucky, Texas A&M, Missouri, Arkansas, and Auburn all in that six to nine seed range. That's five teams in that six to nine seed range. Then there's Tennessee projected as a three seed right now, who I think is quite frankly, in that group as well. Uh, But I am super interested in this tournament just to kind of figure out who can differentiate themselves from who. You know, Kentucky's been making a charge as of late. Can Kentucky continue to differentiate themselves and round into form coming back or going into the NCAA tournament? Arkansas is a team that came into the year with sky-high expectations, and now they get Nick Smith back. He's been back for a few games, but Arkansas has lost its last three, losing to Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. You know, Can they round into form and get themselves going as they head into March Madness? These are all things that I'm interested in seeing in this tournament. So that's why it checks in for me at number three, along with the fact that Alabama is fighting still for that number one seed. I think they are safe, but 
Again, you never know. It would behoove them to at least make the championship game here and uh, not go down before them if they want to secure that number one seed, especially with UCLA nipping at everyone's heels at the top of that two line. So uh, SEC checks in at number three for me. The SEC tournament will be in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena, and that's kind of become the home for the SEC tournament. I like that location for the SEC tournament. Look, I'm a Atlanta guy. I spent a, long, a lot of time in my life in Atlanta, lived there for seven years. I would consider myself as much of an Atlanta guy uh, nearly as I am a Maryland guy at this point. Most of my, I spent more of my adult life in Atlanta than I did in Maryland until coming back to Baltimore here recently. And uh, I, Atlanta to me, I'd much rather live in Atlanta. I like Atlanta as a city better than I like Nashville as a city. I think it's a little bit more centrally located for the SEC. But if you're talking about where the actual arenas are and the walkability and the, you know, fun level around the arena, I think Bridgestone Arena is hard to beat. I'm not exactly a honky-tonk guy, but it is fun to be able to walk right out of that Bridgestone Arena and be on Broadway and have all the, the bars and restaurants that Broadway has to offer there in Nashville. So I think it's a really nice location. Maybe if uh, downtown Atlanta was a little different in how it's like built up and its walkability. Downtown Atlanta is just dead on weekends, to be honest. It's, it's, it's a business district, and uh, there's just not as much around what used to be. I don't even know what it's called. I think it's State Farm. Is it still State Farm Arena? I still always call it, like, for some reason, Phillips Arena is drilled into my head. But where the Hawks play, it is still, it's State Farm still. Um, but I don't know why. It's always Phillips Arena to me. But State Farm Arena in Atlanta, uh, the, near Mercedes-Benz Dome as well, there's just not as much right around the stadium as there is at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. So give me Atlanta all day, every day, as a place to live, as a place to, to go. I love Atlanta. I love it with all my heart. But for the SEC tournament, I do think Nashville is is a good location for it just based on where that arena is, the walkability and, and what you can do around there before games, between games, after games. That's half of what makes a, a conference tournament fun is all that ancillary stuff that's not just sitting in the arena and watching basketball. So great, great location for an SEC tournament. I, I like it in Nashville. Good year for conference tournaments location-wise with Chicago for the Big Ten, Nashville for the SEC uh, Kansas City, nice nice location as well for the Big 12. So on to the basketball. Okay, so what am I looking forward to here as this thing kicks off on Wednesday? Well, you know, I think the game that I'm looking forward to, and I guess it's not necessarily a game, it's more of a couple things that I'm looking forward to. It's I'm really looking forward to seeing what Arkansas can do in this tournament. They play Auburn, the seventh seed. Arkansas is the 10 seed. They play on Thursday evening, and I think Arkansas could really use a win. It would help Arkansas a lot going into, into the tournament to try to you know, find a way to meet some of those preseason expectations if they could make a little run here in the SEC tournament. And I'll tell you this much, nobody going into the year would have believed you if you said Arkansas is going to finish 10th in the SEC, 10th in the country, maybe not 10th in the SEC, not Arkansas, not with all the hype that they had coming into the year. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Arkansas brings to the table as far as the teams that are playing in that Thursday round. 
And Mississippi State, when you talk about the bubble, when you talk about, you know, bubble implications, Mississippi State feels like the only team in this tournament that's really on the cusp, sitting as an 11 seed right now in bracket matrix, listed in 96 out of the 107 brackets, listed in both ESPN and CBS's most recent bracket. So they're in, but not by much good chance that they would be a first four team and they have a chance here with playing Florida in the first round. And then the winner will take on Alabama a chance to get a really marquee win in the second round. If they could take, if they could take down Alabama and, you know, look, I did that whole episode on Alabama and the Brandon Miller situation. And um, they're a team that since, all of that news has come out. Alabama has won games, but they have not looked great doing so. They beat South Carolina in overtime. A South Carolina team, look, Tennessee doesn't doesn't blow anybody out. That's a South Carolina team that Tennessee beat 85 to 45 just a week or two ago. Uh, Alabama played an overtime game with them, one by two points. Then uh, played a real close game with Arkansas, survived against Auburn, had a big comeback there. That was another overtime game, and then lost to Texas A&M. So this team does not seem, this Alabama team does not seem unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. They seem susceptible to a loss, and I would certainly not qualify them as a lock by any means to win the SEC. Uh, they're around plus 150 right now is what I is what I mostly see them at uh, according to the odds and and they're going to be a team that I'll take a shot against in this SEC tournament. So if I'm taking a shot against Alabama, which teams do I like in this tournament? Oh, you're not going to be surprised to know if you've been listening to me all year. Texas A&M is the team that I absolutely adore. I have a crush. I have a big old crush on Texas A&M. I love this team. I love the way they play. Uh, I love Wade Taylor, just a guy that gets to the free throw line over and over and over again. And he, to me, seems like one of those guards that just dominates a conference tournament. They come up with a win over Alabama last weekend and you know they won by six it felt like they really dominated that game it was a dominating defensive performance holding holding Alabama to about 83 points per 100 possessions really really nice job defensively by the Texas A&M Aggies and uh, the thing with Alabama and you saw it in that game Seven of 36 from three was the Alabama Crimson Tide in that game. And that's one of the things that concerns me with Alabama. I love that Mississippi State doesn't rely on the three too much. They rely on getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line. Now, sometimes over-reliance on getting foul calls can hurt you. You know, come NCAA tournament time, if you don't get a good whistle that day, uh, you, you never know with that. But... I really think this Texas A&M team is built to win close games because they are great at getting to the free throw line. They're a great free throw shooting team. They have an excellent guard in Wade Taylor, and they're a really good offensive rebounding team 
gets a, they get a lot of second chance points. Uh, Julius Marble, really good rebounder. I've enjoyed watching him as I've watched uh, A&M more and more this season. So he'll have games where he grabs four or five offensive rebounds, and it's it's really fun to watch, and it gives them a ton of second-chance points, second-chance opportunities. I just love this Texas A&M team. I've been high on them for a while. Um, I'm still high on them now, even though people have started to catch on to them a little bit. Since February 5th, A&M is 7-1 and 10th nationally in T-rank. The only SEC team they're behind is Alabama, who is number eight. So at 6-1, to one, plus 600, I'm taking Texas A&M. I think they are wildly undervalued compared to Tennessee, who's plus 340, and Kentucky, plus 430. I actually think both A&M and Kentucky should have better odds than Tennessee. I do. This Tennessee team, I know the metrics love them. I, I know they do, but I don't see how you can trust this team with the with their inability to score the basketball. And it's like any time that Tennessee is favored in this SEC tournament, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the other team and the points because Tennessee does not blow people out except for South Carolina that one time. You know they they did get a big they got an 18 point win over Arkansas, but then they drop a game to end the year to Auburn. Uh, I do not trust this team. They remind me very much of Virginia where, and not the Virginia team that won the national championship, the Virginia teams that play great defense, play slow, but they don't blow anybody out. And they play these low event, low possession games where it just lets teams hang around, hang around, hang around. So I don't trust this Tennessee team. I I would have Kentucky, I'd, I'd rank Alabama, Kentucky, and Texas A&M all ahead of them in terms of teams I think have the ability to win the SEC tournament. So I am definitely betting A&M plus 600. I got one more bet I am going to make when it comes to who can win this SEC tournament. And man, this one is a doozy. So it's a team on the opposite side of the bracket from Texas A&M. It's a team in that 8-9 game. It's the Mississippi State Bulldogs, the number nine seed in this tournament. They are still fighting for their tournament lives, and they are 50-1 to to win the SEC tournament. They're a team that really mucks things up. They play good defense. They're, you know, like Tennessee in a lot of ways, uh, where they're a really good defensive team, not a great defense offensive team by any stretch but the difference is they're 50 to one whereas Tennessee is three and a half to one or so or three to one and I think they're about yeah what did I say plus 340 three and a half to one so that's the big difference to me and why I'm willing to take a shot on Mississippi State who plays Florida in the first round and then has a shot at Alabama and it's an Alabama team who they narrowly narrowly lost to on the road 66 to 63 earlier in the year. It's one of those times where Alabama shot five of 28 from three, and that's what Mississippi State can do to, do to you. They'll, they'll muck things up. They'll make things dirty and gritty and grimy, and it gives them a chance, especially as a desperate team, to get the win. If they can get by that game, I love a matchup either against Tennessee, who I've 
talked about I do not like, or Missouri, who Missouri, I like Missouri a lot. They're a ton of fun to watch. Uh, I love what Don, Dennis Gates is doing there at Missouri. I love how they play. They get up and down the court. But, you know, in that matchup, I think I would go, I would favor the team that can slow it down, that can play that grinded out style, low possession basketball to enforce their will on that game and, and get by them. So if, if Mississippi State, you know, can pull that, can win that game, you know, they got to get by Florida first, obviously, but I don't mind how that draw sets up. And then if they get to a final, you can pretty easily hedge out of it at 50 to one. There should be a nice cash out option there for you. So I'll do a half unit on that. I'll do a full unit on AM at six to one, and then I'll do a half unit on Mississippi State at 50 to 1 to win the SEC tournament. Now this next tournament needs no introduction. It is the world's most famous conference tournament at the world's most famous arena. That's right, the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. Traditionally nothing better, but this year, I mean, we got the Midwest invasion of the Big East. You got Marquette as the one seed, Xavier as the two seed, and Creighton as a, the three seed. A little Midwest flavor at the Garden, at the Mecca this year. Got to talk to some of my Big East friends, see how they feel about that. I love this new Big East because you, you have all the flavor, the East Coast flavor, Northeast flavor of the old Big East. And I feel like these Midwestern private schools really fit in well with the basketball only, you know, basketball only schools. Basketball means a lot. They're not located geographically close, but culturally they really seem to fit in this conference. So of all the conference expansions, you know, this one seems to fit the best. And in UConn coming back a few years ago was just so great. But look, this there's a chance that we could have a Big East semifinals involving teams from the states of Wisconsin, Ohio, and Nebraska. Those could make up three of the four teams in the semifinals, which would be a little bit funny and maybe take away a little bit of the luster just from a fan and atmosphere perspective. That was one of the things that was always so great about the Big East tournament that was like, no matter who is playing in the semifinals on Friday night, you can get there quick. You can get on the train from Philly. You can come down from Boston. You can come up from D.C. And then there's just so many alumni actually living in New York City that it was so easy to get to. But nevertheless, I, I, I still love this conference. I love the makeup of the conference, and I love that basketball is the most important sport at each and every one of these schools, and that is why I will always love the Big East and always love the Big East tournament. So let's dive into this thing, kicking off on Wednesday at Madison Square Garden. We got the 8-9, 7-10, and 6-11 matchups. You know, not a lot of intrigue in this tournament in general, general from a bubble perspective. St. John's, Butler, Seton Hall, DePaul, and Georgetown all way out of the tournament. Villanova, they're not an at-large candidate. They've been charging recently. They're the sixth seed, but I still believe they got to win this Big East tournament if they want to get a bid to the big tournament, and they will play that late game in the first round on Wednesday night against Georgetown. They should cruise in that one, so not a ton of intrigue for me on Wednesday in this tournament. Things heat up in the quarterfinals on Thursday. That's when you have the top four, top five seeds in action, rather. And of that Thursday slate, the biggest one is probably the 4-5 game, UConn-Providence. 
Providence, I, I feel like they're safely in the tournament, but boy, oh boy, much like Rutgers, have they been testing the limits of just how safely in the tournament they are. They dropped, they've dropped two in a row. They've lost three out of four. They absolutely got destroyed by Seton Hall at home to end the year. And home, that home court advantage has been so great for Providence throughout the season. It really carried them a lot of the way. And uh, but it did not, it did not show up over the weekend. Providence down to a 10 seed in bracket matrix but they still seem safely in, at least from, from my perspective. I would, you know, to feel really good about it, they got to beat UConn. A loss to UConn's not going to hurt them, but they beat UConn. I think it's a no doubt about it in the tournament. And that's about it for bubble intrigue in this tournament. So I think that's the biggest game of the day on Thursday. And, you know, Providence losing that game really hurt a bet that I gave out earlier last week on one of the shows, I gave out Villanova at 7-1 to one to win the conference tournament. And a big part of that was the assumption that Providence would get the job done against Seton Hall uh, over the weekend and that they would end up being the three seed rather than Creighton, who is actually the three seed in this tournament. And I think a much tougher matchup for Villanova than Providence would be. So Providence, not thrilled with them right now, uh, hurting my bets here because Villanova was 7-1 to one before losing to UConn. Now I see them as high as 10-1. to one. So looks like a, not a great investment so far on the Wildcats. But as far as breaking this thing down, handicapping it, what am I looking forward to, what am I betting, I, I think the game that I would most want to see in the semifinals would be number one seed Marquette versus number four seed UConn. Uh, Marquette, of course, the regular season champions, and UConn, the computer darlings, the team that no matter how many games they lose, seems to stay very high in the computer rankings. 24-7 and seven on the year, number four in Ken Palm, of course, got off to that 14-0 start to the season before coming back to earth a little bit fallen to 15 and 5 but they finished the season very strong going 8 and 1 in the last 9 losing just one game between February and March and that was to Creighton on the road by 3 points uh, they've been playing some really good basketball and they are the betting favorites to win this league uh, about plus 200 plus 210 plus 220 is what i see on Yukon at the moment and I think that's a, a little bit disrespectful to Marquette, to be honest, regular season champion. They're more around plus 300. Um, Marquette, a team that has played really well under Shaka Smart, I think just throughout the year, their one loss in the in in their last, uh, their 10 and one in their last 11 games to end the season, their one loss was to UConn on the road. Now, they got UConn at home, so they they split the season series. But Marquette is a team, it, it's hard to find a ton wrong with them. You know, not the greatest defensively, but a, a really efficient offense. Tyler Kolick is a player who I love. I think he's a guy who can take over a, a Big East tournament. Cam Jones, another one of their guards, a good scoring guard. He he gives you a lot. And Marquette is a team that I've been impressed with 
all year long. I've always loved that Shaka Smart style of basketball. They get up and down the court. They turn you over. They don't turn the ball over. Um, and they're they're a fun team to watch. They're, a, a more importantly, a good team to watch, and they proved that by winning the Big East in the regular season, by beating Creighton, by beating UConn, by beating Xavier, and they they've, I don't think they have anything left to prove to anybody at this point. It, it's all about seeding, and I find it a little bit disrespectful. I know it's all based on these computer numbers, and UConn's number four in Ken Palm, but it just feels like a, a good card that Shaka can play for his team this week is that you went out, you won the Big East, and you know nobody still believes in you. They're, you're not the favorite over a team that you finished ahead of by games and games in the Big East regular season standings. I mean, Marquette seventeen and three in conference. UConn thirteen and seven. They finished four games ahead of them. So I think that's a nice card that that Shaka Smart can play there. You know, as far as what I'm betting, I I got that Villanova bet at seven to one. And obviously, I really don't like how things have shaken out with that, given that it's now up to 10 to 1, not getting the matchups that I thought. A big part of that bet was, you know, I thought they were going to have a good second round matchup. I thought Marquette and UConn would take each other out on the top side of the bracket, which they still will. uh, But you got to get through a Creighton team in the quarterfinals that I think is right there in the discussion uh, as a cha- as a team with a chance to take down this big te- uh, Big East tournament, rather. So how am I going to bet this? I guess I am just going to roll with my Villanova 7-1 to future since I have that already in. Uh, I don't think I'm going to take a shot on this any other way. I will be betting it as the, the tournament progresses. As far as if Marquette is a dog to UConn, I, I'm going to take Marquette. I'm going to take Marquette in that game. I just think what they have accomplished over the course of the year ha- has shown that they deserve to be a favorite in that game. If they're a dog, I will take Marquette in that one. And truly going to be a game-by-game basis in terms of how I bet that bet this one. So I'll just roll with my Villanova future at 7-1. to one. I don't like it, but I'm holding that ticket. I'll see if there's a way I can maybe get myself out of it. We'll kind of have to see as the tournament progresses. But as far as, you know, where things stand with the futures, I think I don't think there's anything else that I'm going to play there. So we will just play this tournament game by game. All right, we're four down, six to go in this monster tournament, conference tournament week preview Man, I love this week. There's so many games. There's so many great things going on. And we will move on to a tournament that is very near and dear to my heart. Probably spent as much time in the Greensboro Coliseum during the month of March at growing up, going to ACC tournaments as I did anywhere else. I mean, hours and hours just in that arena, you know, four games a day on Thursday. Uh, or on Friday, and then as the ACC expanded, four games on both Thursday and Friday. But there was nothing better than that old format of the nine-team ACC when you just you had a play-in eight-nine game Thursday night, and then woke up on Friday morning. You had 
that whole quarterfinal round and usually about six, four to six teams playing in that quarterfinal round were really, really high-quality basketball teams that were going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. Um, great, just great memories from attending all those ACC tournaments. It was a time, too, where, you know, most of the fan bases could drive to Greensboro. Greensboro is not a very big town. It's not like Nashville. It's not like Chicago. But it was convenient. It was convenient for the fan bases. You had the four Carolina schools, Clemson, very close. And then uh, on the north side of things, UVA and Maryland. It, it was it was pretty easy to get to and on a tank of gas. And, you know, Georgia Tech driving distance, Atlanta driving distance to Greensboro, a little further drive than some of the other schools. It was really only like Florida State as the outlier school that couldn't get there super easily. And uh, I think it creates a really, it created a very special and unique three-day weekend. And Roy Williams always called it the cocktail party, the cocktail party in Greensboro. He never loved it. And it it was kind of a cocktail party in a way. It was a way for all these fan bases to, to come together and celebrate ACC basketball, which ACC basketball at a point in time was very, very special. It was special, like the Big East was special back in that era. And I always felt like those were the two biggest, best, most important, most meaningful, most impactful conference tournaments throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. They had the most tradition, um, and it felt like winning the ACC tournament really meant something. You know, Maryland won a national title in 2002 and an ACC title in 2004. There is nothing better than winning a national title if you're a college basketball fan, but there was something really special about beating your biggest rivals three days in a row to win an ACC tournament, something Maryland hadn't accomplished in in 20 years. And that ACC tournament championship in 2004 was something that I think, I, I can only speak for myself, but I know when talking to a lot of Maryland fans, they hold that ACC tournament championship as something you know they hold it in really high regard they hold it if not on the same level as that national championship just a slight step below it but those days are gone in the ACC the ACC is a monster 15 team league now this year the tournament will be in Greensboro uh they've they've moved it around a lot but it is in the ancestral home of the ACC in Greensboro. You know, now it's not quite as convenient. It's not quite as close for schools like Syracuse, Boston College, Louisville, Notre Dame. Uh, But nevertheless, it will be held in Greensboro. And uh, in a year that has not been great for the ACC, it should be a very interesting tournament. And it mostly will be a very interesting tournament because the ACC, quite frankly, was not very good this year. And there's a lot of teams evenly matched in this conference. Nobody a clear runaway favorite. This is not the your vintage ACC where you have Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina all getting number one seeds in the tournament like happened in the 2019 season. This is not vintage Duke, Carolina, or Virginia. It's not vintage anybody for that matter. And that, I think, is what will make this interesting. Like I said, not a good year for the ACC. If you look at the advanced analytics, Ken Palm has the ACC ranked behind the Mountain West, which is 
really got to be a tough pill to swallow for the ACC that is so built on basketball and so many schools with great basketball tradition. But I'm not terribly shocked by this because there's been such a changing of the guard in the ACC. And you have guys like Roy Williams, Coach K retiring. This is going to happen to some extent now. I don't think anybody thought that North Carolina would necessarily be in the position they are this year. Yes, that's certainly surprising. But in the macro, I'm not surprised that the ACC is going through a bit of a down period given the coaches they've lost in this league at the very top. And then just given the fact that with the disparity in TV revenue coming in to the SEC and the Big Ten and and the disparity between the teams in those leagues and the ACC, that some of these football schools are able to better fund their basketball programs and really commit to basketball. I mean, you look at what has gone on in the SEC, especially over the last year with the influx of talented new coaches, and you can see how you know, this is really hurting the ACC. But nevertheless, somebody will be crowned champion of this league. There is not a ton of bubble intrigue in this league. I guess North Carolina is, well, I guess I shouldn't say there's not a ton. There is a ton, but it is based around mostly one team. And that is one of the blue blood teams in all the sport. The team that was nearly the national champions last year. And that's the North Carolina Tar Heels. And the Tar Heels will come into this ACC tournament as the number seven seed. They will play their first round game Wednesday at 7 p.m. They'll play the winner of the Boston College Louisville game. Right now, as we record this, Boston College is up nine on Louisville with just under two minutes to play. So it looks like it will be Boston College, which is not much of a surprise given the season that Louisville has had. So, North Carolina will seemingly play Boston College in the first round on Wednesday. A win against Boston College does absolutely nothing to help them. North Carolina's problem is a lack of quality wins. Their first opportunity for a quality win will be against Virginia if they can make it to the quarterfinal on Thursday. And even Virginia, I mean, you talk about a down ACC. Look, Duke is the top team in the ACC, according to the net at number 25. Number 25, that's where the first ACC team appears. Virginia's at 30. Like I said, not a vintage ACC. I mean, from my perspective, even if North Carolina gets to the championship game, I don't think that's enough because likely they would, they 100% would have to beat Virginia, so that would be one quad one win, and then they would play the winner of... Uh, Clemson versus likely NC State. NC State has to beat Virginia Tech or Notre Dame first. So Clemson is the is the team that they are likely to face. In my approximation, NC State or Clemson, the team they are likely to face. NC State, number 40 in the net. So that would be a quad one win. But Clemson, number 61. Clemson, number 61 in the net. So if the seeds were to hold and North Carolina beat Virginia and then Clemson to get to the ACC championship game, so what? That's one quad one win. They would only be adding one quad one win to their resume, which would put them at two and nine. 
not a huge improvement over the one and nine that they're already at. So to me, North Carolina is going to have to go out and get the automatic bid because there's just not enough quality in this league for a run to the championship game to really mean anything for them. Now, it's possible they could beat Virginia and NC State. That adds two quad one wins. Okay, three and nine. Still don't think it's enough. I think North Carolina is going to have to go out and win this whole tournament. And that's the biggest intrigue when it comes to the bubble. There is a little intrigue as well around Clemson. Clemson, I think in a, I view them in a very similar spot to North Carolina. However, they are about 12 spots behind them in the net. North Carolina, 49. Clemson, 61. Uh, Clemson, a better quad one record, four and three, but they also have a couple quad three losses and a couple quad four losses. Uh, for Clemson, I guess they are in a little bit of a better situation, but if I were them, I, it's really tough to say. I mean, it, it certainly depends what happens elsewhere in throughout the country, elsewhere in tournament land. I think they are going to have to, I think they're going to have to go get the auto bid as well. I, it, it, their resume is just not impressive with those four quad three and four losses. They don't have a very good non-conference schedule. Uh, they have an overall strength of schedule of 107. They got to get at least two, I believe. And I think, you know, I'll go on record and say, if they don't win this, they will not get into the tournament. So it looks like on that bottom half of the bracket, both North Carolina and Clemson, Clemson, the three seed in the conference, is going to have to go out and win it. Or if not win it, get to the championship game in Clemson's case. But I'm going to say both need to win it to get in the tournament. And so that that's your bubble intrigue, the bottom half of that bracket. How interested am I in seeing a North Carolina-Clemson semifinal? Eh, not that interested. It would certainly, you know, there's some intrigue there from a bubble perspective. But I don't think either of those two teams are very good. And if North Carolina did not have that baby blue on their jerseys and North Carolina across their chests, I don't think we'd even be talking about this team as having a chance to get into the tournament. The game that I would most like to see, I believe, is a semifinal matchup between Miami and Duke. Because I think of everybody in this league, I think they are the two best teams and the only two teams that really have an opportunity to make any sort of meaningful run in the NCAA tournament. Now, both these teams certainly have their flaws. Um, I don't think either is fantastic. I think you're looking at like five to seven seeds here with Miami having that higher end potential bracket matrix right now has Miami as a five seed Duke as a seven seed. So again, not a vintage ACC, not vintage Duke by any means, but I think these are the two best teams in the conference. So I'd like to see them match up in a semifinal game. That's what I'm, that's what I'd be looking forward to here. As far as how I'm going to bet this tournament, I want to talk about some teams I want to take, or at least one team I really want to take a shot against first, and that's Clemson. Clemson, like I said, the three seed in the tournament, but I think that NC State is a significantly better team than Clemson, and that's the team that Clemson will likely face 
in the quarterfinals. So Clemson really beat NC State down just about a week ago. Uh, it was a 96-71 thrashing, a game that I did not see coming at all. But I'm been, I've been kind of in the tank for the duo in the backcourt for NC State of Terquavian Smith and Jarkel Joyner. I, I like those two guards a lot. I think they're a really nice scoring combo. Uh, their problem for NC State is, is defense. That's going to be the problem for them. But Clemson is just not a team that I've been able to trust at all this year. I find Clemson to be very middling. Um, they've been, to me, like, they just are very unimpressive. Nothing stands out about Clemson to me when I watch this team. Nothing. There's nothing that they do where I say, that's fantastic. That's elite. And at least for NC State, I can say, you know, while not elite might be a little bit strong, they have a very good duo in their backcourt. They have a couple guys who can put you on their back and go out and put up some big numbers on the offensive end and maybe go on a little bit of a run here. I'm not concerned when I look at that Clemson-NC State matchup, potential matchup. I'm not concerned that Clemson just blew out NC State. In fact, I think if anything, that might bode a little bit better for NC State in this matchup to make sure that they're not, you know, overlooking, overlooking Clemson here. So um, I will be betting NC State in that game most likely. I think it'll be close to even something around that. I mean, NC State's ahead of Clemson and Ken Palm, so I guess NC State will actually likely be favored in that game, a small favorite, uh, but I, I'll, I'll be most likely taking NC State in that as long as it's within, like, I don't know, three, three and a half. I, I'll give me, give me NC State to bounce back there. They've had, weirdly enough, they didn't play over the weekend, so they've had a while off to regroup, and I think they come into this thing fresh, get a win over the winner of Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and then are ready to go against Clemson on Thursday night. Always a great NC State crowd in Greensboro. They're safely in the tournament. I wouldn't recommend losing to Virginia Tech or Notre Dame, but I think they're safely in the tournament, and uh, they're playing for seeding. So, you know, I, I, I like this NC State team to beat Clemson, and I'm not super sold on anybody else in the bottom half of the bracket. So I believe I will go ahead and take, uh, I'm going to do it. How I'm going to play this is I'll do half a unit on NC State at 12 to 1 to win this league. And then the other bet I will make is I'm going to do a unit on Miami at plus 340 to win this tournament. And I like Miami for similar reasons that I like NC State. I really like their backcourt. Miami is a team where at least they have something that they can hang their hat on and say they're elite in this one area. And that area is the offense. Uh, Isaiah Wong won ACC Player of the Year, named ACC Player of the Year. But the thing I like about them is he doesn't have to do it alone. Miami has four players averaging between 13 and 16 points. And three of them are in their backcourt, in Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, and Nigel Pack. They're a good three-point shooting team, but they're not overly, overly reliant on the three. They're able to get to the rim almost, or just over 9% of their two-point attempts 
are dunks. So they get to the basket, they're getting high percentage shots, and then they are a good three-point shooting team without being overly reliant. They are, are very similar to me to Baylor, where they can fill it up as well as anybody, but the defense is the question. But you know what? In a league like this, where nobody is great, everybody has flaws, I'm willing to put a little bit of stake in a team that does one thing very well. And for Miami, that score. Uh, they took it to Duke at home earlier in the year, 81-59. They dropped a close one on the road to Duke, 68-66. to So if that's the semifinal matchup, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Uh, my reason here for both Miami and NC State is at least they do something very well. I do want to address Virginia here because Virginia, co-ACC champion, plus 300. They have Tony Bennett. He's now the, the guy in the coaching fraternity of the ACC, the most accomplished coach in that league. And you might be asking, like, okay, Virginia's always tough. They muck up a game. They grind it out. My thing with Virginia is their offense just, it's not elite. If we're saying Miami has an elite off, or I'm sorry, Virginia's defense is not elite. And typically, their defense is elite. Their offense is good enough. And with the pace they play at, that, that's good enough for them to be very, very good. This year, their defense just is sneaky, not that good. It's not bad, but it's not elite. And you you get fooled a little bit because you look at their scores, and even when they lose, it's 63-48, and you're like, oh, that must be on the offense. But that was a loss to Boston College where, yeah, the offense wasn't good. They only gave up 63 points, but they were giving up over a point to, per possession to a 14-15 and 15 Boston College team that is, uh, let's just say, not known for their offense. Ranked 248th in the country in offensive efficiency. So that's my whole thing with Virginia is they they don't do anything at an elite level unless you consider playing really s slow uh, something that you can be elite at. So that is why I, I just don't trust Virginia here. I don't really have an interest in betting them at plus 300. I'd much rather get Miami the number one seed at plus 340 than Virginia at plus 300. So for the ACC, a full unit on Miami at plus 340 to win the league a ha or that win the tournament, a half unit on NC State at plus 1200, and then I will likely be, be betting against Clemson in that Clemson NC State matchup on Thursday evening. Okay, our last league, let's do it the Pac 12. And you know, I'm sorry, Pac 12. I, I like you. You got some good basketball out there. You, frankly, have been better than the ACC this year. You have UCLA, who's fighting for a number one seed. They are very good. I believe they're a national championship contender. Uh, but still, the Pac-12 has its issues. It's a top-heavy league with UCLA and Arizona. It is very, very bad at the bottom of the league. And uh, the thing that really kills me for the from as far as Pac-12 and my interest in it is the entire first round of the Pac-12 tournament is on the Pac-12 network, which is something neither I nor most people have. In fact, the entire first round and quarterfinal round is on the Pac-12 network, as is the first semifinal. So the first game of the Pac-12 tournament. Ah, 
Sorry, take it back. There's one quarterfinal game on ESPN for the Pac-12 tournament. That is the late game on Thursday that will feature USC, the number three seed versus the winner of Arizona State and Oregon State. So that is the first game I will be able to watch of the Pac-12 tournament. In all likelihood, I will not be watching that game because uh, there should be a pretty good Big Ten tournament game at that time, hopefully involving or not hopefully, definitely involving the Maryland Terrapins. So I will probably not be watching USC take on Arizona State in a, in a bubble matchup. But that will be the first game you can actually watch. This tournament starts on Wednesday. There are four games Wednesday. The first game you can watch without having Pac-12 Network, which most people don't have, is Thursday, the late game on Thursday. Actually, I might be able to watch it because it's 11.30 p.m., but I think I'll be recording my Thursday night recap at that time. But either neither here nor there, very limited ability to watch this tournament. Then one of the semifinals is on Pac-12 Network, the other is on ESPN, and then the final is on ESPN. So in all likelihood, I really won't watch much of the Pac-12 until the 11.30 Friday night semifinal. That'll be probably, I don't know, I'm not even going to speculate because I don't really love Arizona that much in this tournament. But if seats hold, Arizona versus USC. Uh, So that's a big part of why this is last on my list. Unfortunately, I just can't watch the games even if I really, really want to, which is a huge problem for the Pac-12. And we know they're in the midst of media rights negotiations right now. They don't seem to be going swimmingly. I'm no expert on that, but they don't seem fantastic right now from some of the rumors we're hearing. Uh, It doesn't seem great that there's been a lot of speculation about the Four Corners schools potentially going to the Big 12 or the Big 12 having interest in them and, um, you know, there being potentially some optimism there about them joining. So, yeah, that's a a big part of the reason that this will have to be last on my list, Uh, just the inability to watch most of the games. But if we get into the actual basketball, to me, this tournament is all about one thing, and it's seeing if UCLA can be as dominant as I think they can be, run away with this thing, and get themselves onto that number one seed line, get the one seed out out west, play in Vegas this week for the Pac-12 tournament, and then play in Vegas again a couple weeks later for that West Regional. That is the story for me. That is the number one thing I am interested in, number one thing I am watching for. And what I would love to see is them play Arizona in the championship game on Saturday night because I don't think anybody else in this league truly presents a challenge to UCLA like Arizona does. I don't think anybody else can even present something that will resemble NCAA tournament competition on their side of the bracket other than Arizona, who is the number two seed on the opposite side of the bracket. Yes, Oregon, number four seed, you know, they're they're trying to sneak their way in the tournament, but I don't think that's happening. To me, Oregon is is not a team that is even in tournament consideration. Uh, it's really just USC and Arizona State, the two teams on the bubble. I think USC is pretty clearly in. Obviously, UCLA and Arizona are in. So that's what it's all about for me. Can UCLA be dominant? 
Can they uh, look like the team I think they are? And can they get themselves on that number one seed line? So I am hoping to see a UCLA-Arizona matchup because I think it will be good basketball and continue to just give us a little bit of a hint about just how good UCLA can be. I think they are national championship good. I bet on them uh, to be the national champions. And so that is what I am looking for in this Pac-12 tournament. For me, the odds are just not quite good enough to bet UCLA to win this thing at plus 140. What I really think I'll be doing when it comes down to a betting perspective in this tournament is I'm going to be fading Arizona as a big favorite. I don't think Arizona has, I've said it all year, I don't think they bring focus every night. And I could see them, you know, being a big favorite against a team like Utah in the first round, a team that they lost to by 15 on the road in December. And I could see them not losing a game like that, but it being a close game throughout. So, you know, if I get a Utah-Arizona matchup on Thursday, I'm taking Utah and the points there. I would probably take whoever they play in the semifinals as well as, as a dog. If Arizona's laying points, if they're laying, you know, big points, I'm, I'm definitely going to be interested in taking that. That's probably my number one angle for this Pac-12 tournament is taking dogs against Arizona because I just don't think Arizona is a team that brings that intensity, especially on the defensive end, night in and night out. I'd love to find a way to bet UCLA if it comes down to a uh, Pac-12 championship game against Arizona. I probably will bet UCLA because that should be a close, fairly close line. Uh, Arizona, really good computer numbers. Computers love their offense. Number 11 in Ken Palm, UCLA, number two in Ken Palm. But it should be a, I'd imagine that should be a, a pretty close line there. On a neutral court, I'll take UCLA. I thought Arizona did a nice job showing up the first time around. Uh, UCLA handled business the second time around. But my, uh, my overall play here the overall way I'm going to bet this is just to take some shots against Arizona with some big dogs and uh, just trust that Arizona is going to be the same talented, very good, yet inconsistent team we've seen all season long. That's going to do it for our conference tournament preview extravaganza. What an hour and a half it's been. 90 minutes of me just breaking down all the conference tournaments. I, maybe a little bit rambling at times, uh, but I hope there's some good information in there. I think there is. I'm excited to just sit down, take in all this basketball this week, and I hope this serves you well as you get ready for conference tournaments. Remember, I will be recording something Thursday night at the end of the night as, as we go through a big day of conference tournament action. It'll be in your feeds Friday morning, ready for your commute, ready for, you know, your morning routine. Maybe you make breakfast and, and listen to me. I don't know what you do. I appreciate you including me in your routine, making me part of your college sports life. Enjoy the games this week, everybody. And until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. <laughs>